want you to know that you see current of the hour he is a capable young man and he is not capable by his own strength but by the strength of mine. Uh, I have known this uh, young man for many, many, many years. I have seen him grow up into the man he is and I know that God has a plan for him. Uh, he used to be a, a, a young uh, teen wrapping around the church in, in Montreal and he has, you know, he has some rhythm. And But one of the things that, that's clear to me when he answered the call to the delight of his parents, uh, they were all so happy. In fact, the community was so happy that this young man is taking a stand for God. It's always a great thing when we see our young people moving in the right direction. You know, as parents, they try as much as they can, but you know, the primary group, sometimes the kids get out in the secondary group, and in society, and they fail. Uh, but I want to praise God, uh, the young man, uh, Sean Folk, uh, he is um, a young um, adult that is, um, is studied years so far in Oakwood University. And uh, he is uh, just about to come through the gate with his certificate and gown. I want you to pray for him. Uh, we call him Brother Sean in the bulletin, but we pray that in the next uh, couple of months he will be Pastor Sean. Folk. I believe that God has a message for us. Uh, he is not alone. He is here with his big brother, his big brother David. He's sitting in the in the second row, observing. We want to get the first blessing, and I believe that his mother Yvette uh, is watching online. And I pray that as the message goes forth, that the church truly will receive a blessing. That the words that you hear will not be his words, but will be words from our Father above. So after uh, the special music. Uh, the next voice that we will hear is that of Sean Pope. Hear him. That's good. All time. You know, exactly what you're saying, what you're saying. Amen. You know, when we look at how we relate to our own body, when we look at these things in comparison, we're just not. We're, 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 Yes, it's still being perceived as we get every minute of them, but because he is in love with us, manifesting madness. And it's not because of who we are, but it's because of who we
Thank you. 
Because I didn't have a, cha a choice at the time, I followed the, the signs, and the signs told me to turn left here and turn right there and make a U-turn here. And I'm thinking to myself all the while that I'm following these signs, I feel like I'm going in circles. Come to find that indeed I was going in circles as I had ended up in the same place where I had first started. Now, needless to say, I, I became frustrated because it was late at night and I was wasting time. And so I decided to go off the beaten path and find my own detour, if you will. The, the, the fact remains that detours, they are very frustrating. They will take you to places that you are unfamiliar with and they will extend the amount of time that you spend on the road. Detours, they will back up traffic and cause other drivers to lose their minds. No one likes being detoured. No one likes being uh, taken off the path that they have set. And no one can really appreciate it. If you're honest today, no, you, can't, you know that you don't appreciate when your forward momentum has been slowed to a halt. Yet here in the text, we find the children of Israel about to leave Egypt, but instead of taking the shortest path to their deliverance, they're detoured. They're on the precipice of their deliverance, but God decides to take them another way. And as I read this text, kind of, can I just be honest with you all today? I have a problem with this text, church. And the reason I have a problem with this text is because here it is clearly marked that the reason for, the, for, for, for our detours, the reason why we have setbacks in our life, is not necessarily because of our mistakes, but because God is leading us to them. And see, the, 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 the thing that really gets under my skin is not just the fact that God takes us to a detour, but he also takes us by way of wilderness. You mean to tell me that, that the cause for my spiritual grief, the cause, the reason I'm in such a barren place in my walk with God is not necessarily on my own accord, but of God's? And so my question today, church, is when, what do you do when God brings you to a wilderness? What do you do when God diverts your path from where you originally saw yourself going and he brings you to a dry, desolate, and, 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 and desperate place? Has there ever been a time in your life when you found yourself in a wilderness and you cried out to God for relief, but instead it seems like God is not listening? What do you do? I believe that there are some things in this text that God is trying to show us that will help us in answering this question. And so, the first thing that we need to do, the first thing that we need to realize, brothers and sisters, is that there is a method to the seeming madness that God will allow in our lives. The point is this, the detour that you may be fussing about today might just be God's answer to your prayer for Christ's likeness. Let me explain. The obvious shortcut was the way of the Philistines. Now this was a proven path. This was a well-used and well-known trade route. And so on the surface, it would appear that this, was, this would be the best way to go because it would be the easiest and by far the quickest. In the mind of the Philistines, in the mind of the Israelites, excuse me, uh, they were looking for the path of least resistance. 
And one thing that, she, that, that you're always looking for in the desert is the path of least resistance. But here, the path of least resistance, in this case, would have been deadly. Understand that your shortest trip to your promised land might also be the shortest trip to your trouble. The Bible lets us know in verse 17 that if God had let them take the shortest route, they would have encountered an enemy that they were unwilling to face. Now God in his infinite mercy and his infinite grace did not want them to turn around and run back to Egypt, which was the place, the source of their frustration and their heartache, their hardships. And so in order to both protect and prepare his people, he took them by way of the wilderness. And it's the same with us in our spiritual walks. There will be times when, in order to protect us from dangers, both seen and unseen, God will cause a detour in our life. But this detour is not to our disadvantage, but to our advantage. Because in taking us through the detour, in taking us to this wilderness, he solidifies the lessons that we learned in our personal Egypt. You see, in Egypt, we learned that our God was greater than the gods of Egypt. In Egypt, we learned that our God was protector from the plagues of Pharaoh, from the plagues that affected Pharaoh. In Egypt, we learned that when our God shows up, He shows out in a mighty way. See, in Egypt, we learned that our God was our sustainer in a time of drought. In Egypt, we learned that our God was a doctor in a sick room. And it's here in Egypt, it's here in Egypt that our molding took place. There have been countless experiences of men and God, of men of God, men and women of God. Who have been taken off of their beaten path for the sake of the gospel. Your wilderness experience, church, is the place where God will hide you from public view to prepare you for his purposes. You may feel that the darkness of the wilderness may never cease, but the time will come when the Lord will bring you out of hiding place to the place where he desires for you. There's a, there's a South African writer by the name of Janine Johnson, and she says that all believers actually think that God is angry with them when they are in the wilderness because their pain is so great. But that is not so. Believing, listen, believing that God is not angry with you is the foundation upon which you must build your life. See, Satan will do everything he can to get you to believe that God is extremely disappointed with you and that he does not love you. But the love of God is the cornerstone of our faith. It is ground zero. And so it is in this wilderness that God reintroduces himself to us in a deeper and more profound way. And it is here where he shows us that we are thirsty, that we are dry. And what better place to show us this than in a wilderness? And as our thirst increases and we cry out to God and we search desperately for him, desperately to find him, that's exactly where he wants us to be. Because as Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Even Jesus had to welcome his own wilderness before he was able to begin his ministry. In order for God to use us, we need to be broken in our wilderness. Nonetheless, we must stop complaining about our wilderness experience because in these experiences, we can find, we can see that God is about to part the Red Seas of our life. Our wilderness is only an instrument through which we can see part of the plan that God has for us. Thus, the first thing that we need to do when God brings a detour our way 
is we need to remember that there is a method to his apparent madness. The second thing that we need to do is we need to realize that God will never send us into something without first equipping us for it. In verse 18, the Bible says, And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. But, 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 but hang on. Didn't, didn't you just tell me, didn't I just tell you that God said he would take them by way of the wilderness because the Philistines were there? And if so, if, if so, if that's the case, why then would God prepare them for battle? See, our God is the type of God that even though he desires for us not to fight, he still equips us for the battle ahead. He knew that eventually they would need armaments for the enemies that they would face. And, 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 and I like to look at it like this. See, my father, my father, although he never des desired for me to have any altercation with law enforcement, he still prepared me and equipped me with the knowledge of what I need to do when I'm faced in such a situation. He taught me how to comport myself. He taught me how to speak to the officers, being unapologetically afraid while still remaining respectful. And in the same way, what my father did for me, God does for us. If you remember correctly, right before God was about to deliver his people from the hands of Pharaoh, they were told to ask for things from their neighbors, gold and silver, etc. Now, prior to doing so, God granted favor, favor in the eyes of the Egyptians so that whatever the children of Israel asked for, they would be given. God showed favor to the Israelites so that they would have what they need before they entered their wilderness. And the same thing is with you. When, before you enter your wilderness, God's favor is upon you. So whatever you need, God will provide it for you so that you will be able to make it through. This speaks to two things. One, God will equip you with what you need. And two, God will also equip you with the materials to withstand the harshness of your enemies. In other words, let the people talk about you. You're prepared. Let people call you out your name. You're prepared. Let your boss threaten you with, 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 with early retirement. You're prepared. Let these grades come back and tell you that you just may not graduate on time. You're prepared. God will equip you with what you need in your, for your wilderness experience so that when your enemies come and try to attack you, although it may not necessarily be his desire for you to fight, you're prepared. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The, the life of a Christian is usually cyclical in that there will always be a spiritual high, a low, and a point of spiritual recovery. And it's usually during these, time, these low times that we feel as though we are unequipped for the trial at hand, and we believe that God has left us out to dry. But the reality is that God has equipped us to face our trial. All we need to do is walk in the path that he has set for us. I honestly believe that we as Christians make life harder than it needs to be. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. He has not tied our hands behind our backs and placed us in confinement. There is freedom in Christ. Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. If we would just follow Christ's leading in our lives, our lives may not necessarily be easier, but our faith in, in the God of the universe will be strengthened. The last thing, I'm almost done. 
last thing, but probably the most important thing that we need to do when God brings us to our wilderness is that we need to remember that in spite of what we are facing, we are not alone. God is the one who is leading our development in this wilderness experience. See, if we were just if we would just read a little bit more in verses 21 and 22, we would see that the Bible says that the Spirit of God led them by pillar of cloud during the day and pillar of fire during the night. Now this lets me know that God is not in the guidance business part-time. By day and by night means that he is with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And the best part about it is that he never gets tired. Again, this is not a part-time role that God decided to take upon himself. He is leading us, literally leading us, carrying us through day and night, and he's always there for us. God's leadership provides us with comfort. He provides us with hope. He is our light in the time of darkness. And so it was with them, so it is with us. He is our refuge in a time of struggle, our help in a time of strength, our shelter in a time of storm. And so when that comes, he gives our life. When that comes and our lives get dark, he lights our lights our path and he makes them straight. When the sweltering heat of day comes, he is the cloud that provides us with cover and shade. God is promised never to leave us nor forsake us. His word is true and whatever he says he in fact will do. All he asks of us is to follow his lead. And even though we may not have any idea of where we are going, he knows. And he's right there with us in the desert capturing our tears, bottling up our pain, and protecting us from Satan. But all of this is useless without faith. Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, verse 3, that we must accept the kingdom of God like children. Why children? Because children have a natural tendency, a natural disposition, to be trusting not only out of choice, but out of necessity. A young child trusts their parent, their parents, or parents, not because they choose to, but because they must depend on that parent to provide for them. They are trusting because they realize their dependence. And in the same way, we must trust God as a trust as a child trusts his parents. We must acknowledge that we need to be totally dependent on him in order to see his kingdom. Now, Christ does not say become childish with your faith. There's a difference. Childish faith will say our situation is different and cannot be helped. But childlike faith says my situation is, is different, but Jesus remains the same, ever ready to assist. Childish faith says, what am I going to do when I have no money and my bills are due? But childlike faith says, Jesus is Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. Childish faith says, these, these church folk just know how to get under my skin, and I don't know how to deal with them. But childlike faith says, Jehovah, Jesus is my, is, is, Jesus is my Jehovah Shalom. He is my peace. We have to be childlike in our faith, realize our dependence on Christ in our wilderness experience, and trust that he knows exactly what it is that he's doing. There is a method to God's apparent madness. 
when we are often brought into a wilderness, he, do, he does so in order to protect us and prepare us. But he also equips us for the wilderness long before we even reach it. Lastly, he's always with us until the end, no matter what. And when we get to the shores of our Red Sea, and the sea is in front of us, and our trouble is behind us, creeping up on us, God will go behind us and stand in between as a barrier between what we used to be and what we are about to walk into. There's something, there's, there's, there's something that, 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 that's really interesting about the children of Israel. As they were about to cross the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14, they are told to stand firm. This command, stand firm. In the Hebrew text, it, 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 it expresses a reflexive voice, meaning that meaning that the ability to stand firm is just a knee-jerk reaction to something that has already taken place. So, for the sake of illustration, there is a, a, a military base nearby, am I correct? And sometimes if you look up in the sky, you'll see a lot of jets flying over. When a jet is going supersonic, and it's about to break the sound barrier, by the time you hear the pop of the sonic boom, the jet has already come and gone. God, in, 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 in telling us to stand firm, he's already saying, because I've already won, all you need to do is stand and watch what I'm about to do. So your ability to stand firm in your wilderness, in front of your Red Sea with Pharaoh at your back, has absolutely nothing to do with you and everything to do with God. I, I, I don't know what else to say. God is our sustainer. He, he does every, he's done everything for us. We have won. All we need to do is trust that wherever he's leading us, despite the detours that may come in our way, despite the fact that, that, that we may become frustrated in our wilderness, despite the fact that, that we may feel like we are walking in circles, God knows exactly what he's doing, exactly where he's bringing us. And what we need to do is hold on to his head like we've never held on to anything before and trust God and trust him to know that what he's doing is where we need to be and where we will be going. So I'm done. <laughs> if there's one thing that I want to leave you all with today, it's trust God. to the sound that we just heard. And there was a sound saying that if you trust and believe that I am the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, 
then I suggest to you to trust me so I can take you where you want to be. And so if you want to be a part of that team, if you want to be a part of that category, I'm going to ask you just to stand with me today. Come in agreement with what we just heard today. And the truth is, Pastor folks, you know, I've heard in life that you are what you're becoming. And so we're going to say, Pastor folks, can the church say amen? And after hearing a word like that, I want to suggest to someone today that if you're going through a wilderness and you find yourself saying, how can I? What should I? I'm suggesting to you, like the preacher said, God is able, dependable, assurable, and his track record says, I've never lost a fight. And so if you want to hold on to that unchanging hand, if you want to hold on to that faithful hand that can hold you when you cannot hold yourself, it doesn't matter what age you are or what stage in life you may be, this God is here today. And he showed up and he's giving you the proof in his word according to the scripture preached. And so I'm going to ask, please, by faith, according to the preacher, if you don't want to trust anything else, trust God. By faith, I suggest to you, step down from wherever you are. Tell the person standing next to you, excuse me, but I want to come to the altar. And I want to ask God to do more for me than I can do for myself. So who's willing to show faith today? Just step out. Just say, excuse me. Walk out by faith. God bless you. I see you coming. You're coming not to man, but you're coming to God. You're coming to the word that we just heard. Declaring that we have a savior, a provider, a friend. And he is in charge of everything we go through. And we can trust his unchanging hand. You're coming. You're coming by faith. You're coming by faith. You're coming by faith. Now, the truth is, there's some that have come, and there's some things that we need to change or fix in our lives. We're all not perfect. This is still a hospital for sinners. And so if we want to be honest with ourselves and honest with our Savior, I'm going to ask for those of us who need to make some correction. You know who you are. Just to raise your hands wherever you are. Just raise your hands wherever you are. We're going to ask the preacher of the hour to offer a word of prayer, of correction, blessing, and for God to do it only he can do it this time. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for reminding us that we need to trust in you in our wilderness. Thank you, Lord, for touching the hearts of those who are standing here before you. And now, God, we just ask that the things inside of us that we know are not pleasing to your sight, that you correct, that you prepare us and, 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 and push us to another level. We just ask, God, that whatever it is that we're leaving here, at the front of the altar, that we leave it here. We don't take it back to our seats, we don't take it back to our homes, but we leave it at your feet, God, because in your hands, all things are possible. We want to thank you, God, for what you are about to do in our lives. We want to thank you for, for, for the Red Sea that's about to part in front of us. And as we leave this place, the change that you have imparted to us, 
others will see, our co-workers will see, our families will see. And they will say, who is this that can change in such a mighty way? so that when you come, we will be gathered in the air to meet you forever and ever. This is our prayer, Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.